0: welcome inside a brand new episode of the all hoops podcast chris and i will recap why we're encouraged by what we've seen and heard in the nba bubble also with marvin bagley hurt again when do we get into the bus discussion plus why are the nba voting for season awards now before we get to all that chris my friend Just one more week of this madness before we have sweet NBA action. How is your quarantine going?
1: What's up, Stevie, baby? Uh, Thanks for everybody for joining us on a new episode of the All Hoops podcast. It's been a minute. Um, You know what? You say that the craziness will stop next week, but I actually think it's going to keep going. You know, everything with the pandemic is such a variable. By
0: craziness, I mean craziness without sports. How about that? There you go. (laughs) That's what I meant.
1: Um, I even think now it's like we assume that they're going to finish off their season. And I think it was a very positive step that everybody on the, in, in the bubble tested negative for the virus. So that's obviously amazing news. Um, but it remains to be seen for players to, like, to be kept in check, make, making sure that they follow all the guidelines and whatnot. And remember, we have one more month of this, um, for, this for this like play and stuff to, to finish off. You know, who's to say that when a player is is bored or, you know, they're out of playoff contention completely, who's to say that their focus will be solely on basketball? Um, But I'm I'm not doubting them. I'm just saying I'm bringing that up as a possibility because we assume that everybody is going to do things in everyone's best interest.
0: I'm going to counter that with two thoughts. For one, we've already seen two players go out and try to go get some delivery or food or whatever, and they both were basically banished to their room for a week. You know, Rashard Holmes. He he went out. I think he was going to get a pizza or something like that. And then they said you have to go back to your room and quarantine for another seven days. So I think that's going to really make players think: Do I really want to get caught and go out and then wind up having to, you know, miss key games and whatnot? And then on the other side, in terms of players with very little to play for, once you get past this kind of pointless eight-game regular season, every game is going to matter. It's going to be the playoffs. So, like, if let's just say you're Memphis and you're down 3-0 to the Lakers like are you really gonna phone it in in an elimination game and if you are you're you're out of there after the game anyway so it's like there's this not enough time for players to kind of just mail it in because it it's first one to win four so it's like once we get past this two weeks of regular season, I think everyone's gonna be giving their best effort. Everyone's gonna be laser focused because if not, you're going home within the week anyway.
1: Yes, but I think the one aspect that we're underselling here is the fact that like the NBA is one outbreak or one outburst away from completely not finishing the season, right? Like yeah. they they have very little flexibility in terms of like, if there's a cluster in between a, a team or two, um, You know, I think the NBA will really consider finishing off the season or not. And with the cases going up in Florida, who's to say that, like, you know, every single person entering that premise won't be checked for coronavirus, won't have the virus. So those are all things that we need to consider. But obviously, I'm like you. I want the season to finish. I want to see I want to see basketball again. I miss basketball. Um, But there are obviously bigger things at play outside of basketball. And and you just hope for the best. That's all.
0: I'm just I'm I'm encouraged because we we went into this I last year. I think I said eighty percent chance this starts and finishes. I would put that up to ninety percent now because I'm I'm really optimistic because they tested three hundred and forty-six players last week. Zero got the coronavirus or at least reportedly tested negative for the coronavirus. But I think it's going to come down to can players actually not leave the bubble. You know, which I think is—it's asking a lot, but I think there's a chance. And then the other is you're going to have these families coming in early in the playoffs. How are they being to be treated? Like, do they have coronavirus? Are they bringing it into the bubble? Can you, you know, restrict LeBron James's, you know, uncle or sister from coming in and out? Like, it's—it's a serious question. So, like, right now, I feel like they're good, and I feel like it's all systems go to start. Um, but that does not mean they're going to finish for sure. It's it's far from a hundred percent, but I'm encouraged.
1: You know that that's a word that I feel like probably describes how I feel as well. Encouraged, because even up until last week, when players were testing, kept testing positive for the virus, I was like, "Well, that doesn't really give me a good vibe." As we come into two weeks, and there's going to be a season, I think uh, all these players testing negative is. Obviously, a great step in the right direction. Then we have a few other players coming back, like Russell Westbrook and the Morris brothers. Um, so it remains to be seen how the rest of the, the players' rosters will will, will fill out. Um, but, yeah, I'm encouraged. Um, but one of the things we keep seeing are these injuries that are happening to players. But in particular, Marvin Bagley of the Kings, who's been injury-prone, unfortunately, in his young career. He's only started, what, 10 games in his... Two two years, I want to say two years in the league. Um, you know, we often joke around that the Knicks are bad, but we often joke that the Kings are worse. So, I think the question now becomes: Is he a draft bust? Like considering the Kings could have picked Luca, could have picked Trey Young, but they went with Bagley because they assumed they fit. They they filled their need at the guard slots, um, but. Luca obviously is an incredible player, and so is Trey. Do we think that Bagley is a bust?
0: We're getting there, Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm getting towards that spot. And yes, you know he's only 21 years old. I normally believe to be labeled a bust. You got to be done with your rookie contract, and like teams don't really want to sign you, <laughs> or you're signing for the league minimum to go hang out in somebody else's, you know, bench like a Hashim to beat. Is a bust, you know, that kind of thing. But Chris, he's played in 10 games. He started 10 games in two years. He's got another foot injury. Now he's, you know, on crutches and in a walking boot. So who knows if he's even gonna play in this restart? You got Luca, you got Trey. How about a guy like Jaron Jackson, Chris? Jaron Jackson is really, really good. So if you really were adamant with we already have our point guard of the future in De'Aaron Fox, we have our shooting guard of the future in in Buddy Healed, how about jaron jackson because he looks legit to me as the prototypical what you want from a big man in today's game he could shoot he could defend he could pick and roll he could do all these different things and most importantly chris he stayed healthy
1: it's so huge for a big to be healthy because so much of how you plan your defense goes around how you how you if your center can be there a and then b be an okay enough scorer to to remain on on the on the court Bagley clearly fit those two needs. He didn't shoot as much, but um, and he
0: performed well when he's on the court. He just right. hasn't been on the court much. There's,
1: I think I don't even think there's a question that he's, you know, one of the more talented young men in the league. Um, but the conversation again will be about whether or not to draft the big so early in the draft. We we go through this often, like even with the Knicks when we had the cho- the choice of Kristaps Porzingis and Okafor. Okafor was regarded as a better prospect, but Porzingis has so far had the much better career. I'm still convinced that the Knicks were taking Okafor if both of those guys were on the board.
0: Phil Jackson loved Okafor.
1: Well, Steve, I'll I'll be frank with you. I think I probably wanted Okafor more because we saw him beat we saw him beat the Johnnies. Oh yeah, we did. We do. So
0: it's crazy how these like kids go to get off onto a tangent a little bit. It's crazy how these kids as prospects, have changed so much. Remember, Oka, there was Okafor versus Towns as the top pick in the draft. And Towns was considered the defensive-minded guy you hoped would learn offense. That yes. seems insane now. Towns hasn't played oh defense God, in 10 yes. years. And There's then no. Okafor was okay. this offensively skilled player who you knew the offense would translate, but how would the defense perform? That sounds like Towns. So it's, it's crazy how different those guys are. But Chris, unless you're getting a generational talent, a Anthony Davis, maybe an Embiid, uh, Jokic. I don't think you could take a big in the top two, three, four picks in a draft. I just don't think you can anymore.
1: You know what's so funny, Steve? I disagree on the fact that it needs to be a quote unquote generational talent at the center position. I think what you need, if you're going to draft a number, a, a a center with your first five picks, he needs to make he needs to have either a shooting stroke and play defense, or you know. Or be incredibly defensively that warrants that high slot. You just described
0: Aaron Baines. You're gonna take him with the third pick? If that's what my team I
1: mean No,
0: you're not. <laughs> okay. <sighs> a, no, it's a it's a, always it's, a guard. it's a good
1: point though, but look at but look at Jaron Jackson. Like, Jaron Jackson, for me, is not a generational talent, but he has those skills that I just mentioned.
0: I think that's fair, but I think at the same time, if, you know, you take him with a third pick, I think Memphis would have been better off taking Trey Young, you know? And then all of a sudden, you have him with John Morant in there. You know, you can go find a big for $8 bucks who can kind of pick and roll, kind of defend, kind of shoot, and do some of those things, and I think they'd be a better team right now. And I love Jaron Jackson. But I just don't think right now, unless he's a guy who's going to transform your organization, I don't know if you could take a big it, that high in the draft. Which is why I think, you know, James Wiseman to me does not make sense as a top three pick. And you've heard him linked in those spots, you know, for certain teams like Charlotte or Golden State. I don't know if the teams feel that way, but that's the way the media has portrayed it so far.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't think I don't think James Wiseman is deserving. Of the top five slot. He didn't really pay, play any college. He played what? Two games in college? Um, I think it was two or three, yeah. For Memphis. Uh, which I think, in retrospect, really hurt his draft stock. I don't think it, 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 it helped him at all. I agree. Uh, because, especially in a time where, like, the role of Biggs is so questioned, undetermined. Jay's, James Wiseman could have filled those holes.
0: And, Chris, if you look at this draft in particular, it's full of guys with question marks like him. LaMelo Ball missed half the year and played in Australia. You know, Anthony Edwards had an amazing game and, and a game where you didn't even know he was going to be in the lottery. Back and forth, back and forth. So there was a ton of guys like that who did not perform at the level that is needed to be a top pick, but one of them is going to go in the number one. And, you know, we'll have a better idea of who that'll be when the NBA lottery comes in on August 20th.
1: All right, really quickly, though, back to Bagley. Do you think that he's – is it still too early to call him a bust? When do you think we should call him a bust?
0: It's a great question. I'm going to say – Assuming
1: things are as they are. I'm going to say
0: if we get to the end of his rookie contract two years from now and we're still not really sure if he can stay healthy or – You know, if if they got him on a minutes restriction to help keep him preserved, I would think that's a bust. Okay. If things continue the way they are, he's a bust. But it's too early to say that right now. Yeah. There's still time. There's been plenty of guys who have had very injury-prone year, year year-plus, two years. I mean, Joel Embiid didn't play his first two years. He's not a bust.
1: Right. Right. He's he's the most clear-cut example of someone who, when given the opportunity— after being healthy he completely shined um and I think Bagley as you said what, he's 21 years old I think there's still yeah. time for him to recoup and you know regenerate his uh reputation in the league
0: at the same time really quick I don't see any scenario that's going to happen where the Kings should not regret taking Bagley over Luca. I don't see any scenario right now where he's going to outperform Luca for the next decade
1: uh I also I love Luca. I love Trey. I still think that conversation is way too early. Okay, I don't. I think uh,
0: I think no it's matter year, what it's happens, only year 2. It is only year 2 who knows maybe those guys get hurt but at the same time I think that's going to be something that's going to haunt them for the rest of the 2020s.
1: But that doesn't mean he's a bust. That's right. Um yeah, so then moving on to final thoughts, um the NBA will begin voting on seasonal awards um, but they're not really factor they're not gonna factor in the, the, the games that are gonna happen right now in, in the playing tournament. They're gonna start voting twenty-eight. Um, do you think that's a mistake? I I personally feel like it's such a it's just not fair considering like why not wait a few more why not wait a few more weeks? Like what difference does it make if this award isn't given sooner rather than later? It doesn't.
0: I don't get it at all, Chris. I don't see why they couldn't finish these eight seeding games, mm-hmm. you know, vote on MVP, vote on coach of the year. Uh, and then award that the second week of the playoffs. I don't really get why these wouldn't count. Voting begins today, as you said, and goes until July 28th. Um, to me, it just it gives even less incentive for the stars to perform during these seeding games. Like, if LeBron James was like, I'm going to take it easy for these eight games, as he probably will, this creates even less incentive for him to go hard because now he doesn't have an MVP to go with. Same thing with Giannis, you know? Um, but... In terms also, of the, go ahead.
1: I also think those players are a different breed. I don't think the MVP necessarily drives them to do anything. More. Yeah, but like
0: all of a sudden, you know, let's say Frank Vogel's like, all right, LeBron's gonna play twenty minutes a game in the bubble to get him back up the speed for the start. Now you're saying, uh, maybe he could take a game off here or a game off there, because he doesn't he's not pushing the coach to say, Hey, like, I wanna I wanna win this one. It's gonna help my legacy. You know, not in terms of he's going to go from twenty minutes a game to thirty-eight minutes a game, but I think there's really nothing for them to, to play for right now.
1: Nothing. Well, it's two things though. It's not only that, but like how much do you do you think anybody's like case for the award would have changed with these eight games? Do you think that if LeBron scored forty points for every game from now till the end of the season, would that put him over Giannis?
0: I don't think it could. I think that I think the race was super close and that people, we lost four months. People are going to remember these eight games more than they remember the first eight games, the first 30 games, because it's most recent in your head. So if LeBron came out and had his best two-week stretch in a decade, which you can make the case that he could do right now, I would think he could steal the award. And it would be something to talk about. But at the same time, I mean, I don't really see the incentive. It doesn't really matter, for one. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't. But I don't really see the incentive of just saying, let's just mail it in now. I don't I don't get it.
1: So real quick, so then your pick would obviously is Giannis because you love him so much, right?
0: Yeah, I mean Giannis to me, he he shot better. He was just he carried that team. And I think LeBron was incredible this year, led the league in assist. But, but. you have Anthony Davis and I think those two guys would split some votes because a case can be made that Anthony Davis should be third in MVP. And I, it's hard for me to say LeBron James carried his team like Giannis did when you have another MVP candidate on your team. Well, I, they're super close. Right. I won two with them.
1: All right. Well, not for nothing, but you know Giannis has a lot, has a much better cast of players around him too. Though he has Milton. You have a borderline All Star with um, Eric Bledsoe. You know you have a bunch of good pieces there. Like to say that, to say that. Just because Anthony Davis is on that team makes LeBron's case less, I think, is slightly unfair because LeBron James has played incredibly well the last, you know, 15 years or whatever it is in the East. And then now that he's in the West, like the one thing that he didn't have with the Cavs, now he has on the now he has in the Lakers like. People should make up their mind in terms of everyone keeps trying to find a butt with LeBron James, but he keeps proving well, people. The butt right.
0: is he's gonna finish. I think he's gonna finish second in MVP. I'm not saying he's a bum. I think he's that's, an incredible said, player. Like second is not second ever. is not
1: second is not first though. And I think for a for what a a thirty year old man to be doing what he's doing right now, it's unth- who 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 has replicated that? Nobody.
0: No, I I think that's why he deserves a high finish in MVP. But at the same time, without Giannis. I think the Bucks are a borderline playoff team.
1: I think the either. Lakers are, aren't the even a playoff team with Anthony Davis.
0: No, I. I mean, with with just Anthony Davis on the Lakers, I think they're a pretty good team.
1: No, they're not, dude. You're you're wilding, dude. I That's not true.
0: like a, I think no. they're better than the Bucks. I I would say the Lakers without LeBron are better than the Bucks without Giannis, and I I think it's a fair question. No. I think it's a close I, thing. I, I don't think.
1: I I don't even think I don't even think that because the Bucks have played well without Giannis. I can't say the same about the Lakers. Like you take out you take out you take out you take like you take out LeBron James out of the Lakers, and that team isn't even a top nine, top ten team in the West.
0: Well, I mean, with the
1: East, with if you the look East
0: at last year, the Lakers didn't have Anthony Davis and even make a playoffs.
1: Right, and that's exactly like we. We keep making Anthony Davis's case like he's an MVP candidate, but like, I think he is. He's, he's I don't think so. I think he's, they, I think they he's, added he's an him
0: to the team. They lost a few key guys, and now they're the number one seed. And again, a lot of that, most of that credit goes also, to LeBron.
1: Also, last year when he, the, the Lakers didn't make it, but you also got to factor in the fact that LeBron James was out for like a huge part of the season.
0: LeBron played what, like 50 games last year? 45, 50 games? Yeah, that's kind I mean, of like to That's fifteen more games. Let's say, let's say you know he played in forty five games this year and they mm-hmm. lose every one. They still have a better
1: record, much better. They're still in the playoffs. You also have a much better team this year, <laughs> but for both and both like for me, it's not, I don't it's know.
0: Not- if they had a better team this year if you without the trade with Davis because I think it's you know Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. You you've seen what those guys can do now. I mean, they've had strong years. Kyle kuzman has been bad this year. So I mean I, I get what you're saying. I totally think both make the case. And that's entirely why I wanted to see how that race finished. You know, because to me, if one of played better than the other one for these like, eight games, I would have voted for that one. But I think as of right now, and that's how this will be voted, I think Giannis had the better year.
1: All right. I think we can both agree that this MVP race should have at least been defined by this last eight eight game stretch. Do you think that yes. is that yes. okay fine? All right. I can I can I can re- I can level with you on that one. Uh, you know, I,
0: I think there was a ton of... I think all the awards could have been voted on, like, decided by this eight-game stretch. And I think part of that is a mistake because, you know, all of a sudden, if Rudy Gobert, you know, has a bad eight games, you're going to think of him with the coronavirus, you're going to think of how he played in these eight games, and you wouldn't vote for him Defensive Player of the Year as maybe you would have, you know, before all this started. So I, I think, you know... Over judging the eight games is also a mistake. And I think that's probably why they're doing it this way.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, moving on. So a lot, we talked about this yesterday when we were talking about what we we're going to talk about the podcast. But, you know, a lot of what the NBA is trying to do is make Zion Williamson the new face of the league. The league. And it's unfortunate because Zion had to leave the bubble to be with his family for for an emergency. He may join the team later on, but essentially the NBA has planned around him. So now they're in a precarious situation because now their emerging star is not going to be playing in this bubble, and they were banking on it. Do you think it's a mistake for them to continue to plan around him?
0: Yeah, Chris, I do. He has not shown the ability to stay healthy yet. Now he left the bubble. That is obviously no fault of his own with a family situation. But at the same time, it kind of just exposes the NBA for continuing to try to build its programming around one or two guys. And I think right now with seeding games, you want to spread the wealth. I think, you know, there's 10 to 12 different teams and games that I, as a viewer would find fascinating. And I, I think just putting unfortunately, the, I mean, the Pelicans on, like, 30 games this year, and Zion played in,
1: like, six of them. See, unfortunately, I think that you and me see the game differently maybe than uh, maybe a regular viewer might see it. Like, we are more willing to be accept those other narratives or storylines that are happening. Like, we'd probably watch that Pelicans game anyway, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I plan on it.
1: Right. I'm just saying, like, it's just, it's just tough because I think, the NBA's biggest straw is its stars because they're so influential and cross many different lines in society. Um,
0: I'm not saying they shouldn't put, you know, market their stars. I'm saying the idea of he missed all this time. And yet at the same time, they're still trying to build their TV schedule around him. I think they need to spread it around a little bit and to protect themselves in case like all of a sudden you put like a Sixers Celtics game on as that first game. I think, more people would watch it.
1: Yeah, or yeah, just yeah.
0: people as as Zion.
1: I don't disagree with that, um, yeah. but I I do think that like I don't think the NBA should be changing its strategy completely either. Like it's just it's just Zion Williamson that has presented this problem. I don't think it well, exposed I mean, the they, NBA. But
0: the Warriors, the Warriors were on half of the, the TNT and NBA TV games this year, and that really really hurt them because at least see with- for
1: me for, for me that, exactly. that one. For me, that one hurt more than Zion Williamson games because I still think the Pelicans games were interesting. Yeah, the Warriors thing maybe it might be a little bit more problematic, frankly.
0: Right, and like all of a sudden you're getting all these guys healthy next year. What do they do then? Are they going to try the same strategy and try to market around Steph Curry and this dominant Warrior team? Do they, or do they say, hey, here's a game for Houston, here's a game for Boston, here's a game for Golden State, here's a game for Zion? You know, I that's the way I would do it and try to get. All of these guys becoming national headline names instead of just banking on the hope that two, three teams can stay healthy this year. When two of them, it, it was this year. It was Golden State, the Pelicans, and the Lakers. Those are the three they marketed. One of them had a number one seed in a dynamic year. The other two did not. And I think no, that's I think what the NBA needs to have learned from to a degree.
1: You're, I think you make a really strong argument. And then I. I think with, with the Warriors' point, I think your point was driven much stronger. Because quite honestly, um, Zion himself, I, I like to watch him play, but I, I still saw Pelicans games. You know, I was really into Brandon Ingram's game. Um, but the Warriors thing, like, considering how much they schedule around him, you're right, they should totally spread the wealth. But also the NBA knows what brings them viewership and what doesn't. And it's always going to be stars, and, like, injuries are unfortunately part of it. And, like, like I didn't understand the thought process of, of doing so many Warriors games. It's not like Clay Thompson and, um...
0: They knew Durant and Thompson
1: were they, gone before they the knew, season. They knew, right, they were gone before the season. Like, they were just banking on Stephen Curry being injured, but, like, didn't have any uh yeah. contingency plans I, game, definitely,
0: so. I definitely think this year more than anything going into the bubble they need to be very cognizant of anybody can go down at any time they could lose any player at any time and so to plan out the entire two weeks of the regular season on, on tv to me now does not make sense i think you got to do it you know a week at a time. obviously you need to market these games so it's like you can't just say, hey, we're going to do it day by day. But, you know, you do the w- first week and then for every day that passes, you add a new day. So I think that's the way to do it because, you know, all of a sudden if, if LeBron goes down with COVID and they have five Laker games on TV, it's going to kill the ratings for this two-week seeding matchup. And these ratings are huge right now.
1: Yeah, you're right, man. Um, but I'm looking forward to all of it. And, and you know, um, just, to, just to switch things a little bit on the side of not – the bubble. I'm really encouraged that the Knicks have been interviewing uh, Kenny Atkinson a lot, um, even though it, it seems like Tom Thibodeau might be the guy still. But, you know, until the decision is made, the decision is made. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't mind them taking their time. It's it's a little strange to me that it's like the longest coaching situation I've ever seen. But uh, again, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think the longer this plays out, the better chance Kenny has, because they've been saying since March, this is Tibbs' job. And at the same time, it has not gotten the tips. So something's up. And it'll be really interesting to see how this whole plays out. I would expect this to be done within the next week. I do. I think this will be before the season season gets back underway.
1: Yeah, I agree, man.
0: All right, well, that's going to do it here on the All Hoops podcast. Next week, we'll talk about the first two matchups of the NBA restart. Will Zion be there? We will discuss that. Which teams could surprise in the bubble? Also, very exciting news follow all hoops new instagram page at all hoops podcast it's going to be really exciting stuff on there once a season returns we'll have instant analysis from games and trades breaking news everything that's going on i'm really excited to get started on that so thank you for listening and chris anything else you want to add before we wrap up the show
1: no that's it guys everyone stay safe follow COVID protection protections and uh wear a face mask
0: very well said take care guys
1: bye everyone i no matter, i no matter, i no matter.